When I was on my honeymoon many years ago, we went down to Tabernacle Baptist Church on the Sunday after we were married, and that preacher called my wife up to the platform, and she had to give a testimony in front of 500 people. So I figure we got 50 here. I want Ashley to give a word testimony. Come on up with her, brother. Come on up with her. Amen. Uh, his name's Chase. I don't know what I called him this morning. I got a cousin named Choice. I mean, no, not Choice. Chance. And uh, he's not, he ain't by chance. He's, he's chasing the will of God. But I want, they're going to get married on October 11th. Uh, did I get that right? Hallelujah. Amen. And it's on a Monday night. And uh, we're excited about this. We're really excited for, for Chase because he chased down the right one. Amen. And um, I believe she's going to be a great asset to him. And she's already got Amy's approval, and that's pretty good. Amen. <laughs> so I wanted her to give a word. To, you can have a seat, Brother Chase, and, um, and give a word of testimony. Then we'll have a special, and then Brother Chase has the rest of the service. Amen. Miss Ashley, come on. I hope I didn't put you on spot. Okay. Well, good evening, church. Um, my name is Ashley, and I just wanted to rejoice. The Lord has dealt so bountifully with me, and I'm so happy to finally be here. I've been awaiting this day to come meet you guys. Um, I'll just give a just a short testimony of what the Lord's done in my life. I grew up in kind of a Christian culture, went to a Christian school, attended a Presbyterian church, but I never knew Christ as my Savior, and I never understood my need for a Savior. And when I was 13 years old, I went to a youth camp, and it was at that youth camp that I, the Lord brought to remembrance all those scriptures that I had learned um, vainly, and He truly saved my heart, and He saved my life. Um, and I rejoice for that day. And from that day forward, um, I didn't live my life like a Christian. I didn't know uh, what quite to do until I truly got in this word, and I fell in love with the word of God. Um, and He changed my heart. He led my direction um, to the mission field, and I'm praising the Lord that I get to serve Him alongside such a wonderful man of God, Lord willing, in the country of South Africa. So um, I'm rejoicing with you this evening. So happy to get to be here to worship with you. Thank you. Amen. Well, it's our privilege to have my grandson uh, with us. And uh, Chase, I called him something else this morning, but I'm sorry. And um, I remember several years back when uh, Mark and Amy made this monumental decision. They said, you know, we have two young men that need a home and uh, need a father and mother. And I uh, had a part in preaching Brother Chase's uh, mother's funeral. And uh, by the grace of God, I believe with all my heart that um, God is going to use this young man because somebody cared and somebody took him in his home. I love, I love these stories, and uh, Tyler is going to no other place than Canada, amen, and so I hope he's got a good coat, amen, and some mittens, but um, uh, both these young men have turned out good, and uh, you ought to have seen them when, uh, when we met them. Uh, they were just searching and empty and um, needing somebody to train them and love them, and Mark and Amy stepped up to the plate, and I'm proud of them for that, but I'm, I'm so excited tonight, here's the fruit of their ministry, so he's going to present his burden, tell you where he's going, he, and I didn't want to share too much of his testimony because that's part, part, part of it, and uh, preach for us tonight, 
And so I want you to give your undivided attention to Brother Chase and pray for him. And uh, pray for Ashley as they're going to be married in just a couple of weeks. 28 days? 20 what? 29. 29 days. Amen. It's going to be 28 tomorrow. Amen. Come on, brother. God bless you. Love you. Appreciate you. Amen. Well, good evening to everyone. My name is Chance Southern. I mean, Chase. Sorry, I don't know how I get that mixed up, too. I was actually at a church this morning, and the pastor said, I know his name is Chase, but I'm going to call him Keith. So I, I've been called everything under the sun. Uh, but yes, I am a church planting missionary to South Africa. I'm going to be going back to where my family is. Uh, and so it's a very big blessing uh, to see what you have, as a church have done. Uh, I want to thank my grandfather for the opportunity to come around here. Um, I don't know if I'm going to mess this up, but uh, he's my grandfather, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but if you don't mind turning to Philippians chapter 1 with me, uh, just to tell you a little bit, for those who don't know uh, what happened in my life, I grew up in what we call, an, uh, what I call an American Christian home. It's one of those uh, places where we say that we were Christians, but there was not any evidence in our lives. So my older brother and I, Tyler, we lived, we lived with my mother, and uh, she, she had some uh, problems going on in her, in her household, uh, but I ended up going, due to some of those things, I ended up going with my aunt a lot of the times. Uh, she used to watch me, yeah. and she used to take me to Brainerd Baptist Church up uh, close to Chattanooga. Uh, now, me being a five-year-old, six-year-old boy, I really didn't like it. I'm over there listening to a random man talk about someone who I didn't really care about for 45 minutes. So I was just like, I really don't like church. But one day she told me, hey, why don't you come to Vacation Bible School? And I wasn't really sold because she said school and who, what kid likes school. And then she said, there's going to be kids my age. There's going to be games and candy and food. And there's going to be a great time. And I was like, all right, what kid doesn't like that? So I ended up going to Vacation Bible School. And I was a bit of a class clown back then. I still am. Uh, but uh, I, it was a little bit more evident back then. I, but I remember one of the last couple of nights uh, in the Vacation Bible School, my teacher taught on Peter walking on water, the story about how he walked to Jesus, how much faith he had in Jesus at that time. And then she ended up giving an invitation, and she said this. She said, if you do not know who Jesus Christ is, or you've never put your faith in him, I want you to raise your hand. Now, I really didn't care about the question, but I wanted to make people laugh. So I puffed out my chest and I said, well, who's Jesus? Just trying to make some people laugh. And some people didn't, I felt accomplished. But I remember this older gentleman from the back walking up to me. Now, here is a five-year-old boy. I'm thinking I'm going to get banned from this church or something. (laughs) I'm super worried. But he said some words that changed my life forever. He said, come with me and I'll tell you who Jesus is. So he took me out to the hallway and he took me through the Romans road. He showed me how I was an enemy of God, in need of peace, in need of righteousness, and that only comes through Jesus. And then he ended up sharing John 3.16 with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That night I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And then I I went back to my house, and I got super excited. I went up to my mom, and I said, Mom, Mom, I got saved. She said, that's great, Chase. And then my life went back to the way it always had been. Just going to Dollar General, getting a couple of snacks, then to Blockbuster, grabbing a movie, and just coming home and doing that over and over and over again. And so I thought that Christian, salvation was the end of my Christian life. 
I wasn't discipled, so I didn't know anything else than that. And so I just started living my life. Uh, and so as some uh, circumstances got worse and worse in the household, I ended up having to go with uh, my aunt and uncle, Mark and Amy Coffee. Now, uh, I know that you guys have been praying for me for quite some time now, uh, especially since I was put into their household, because uh, you guys know who Mark and Amy Coffee are. But no, it was a, it was a tremendous blessing. I, I am so grateful for them. I know that they would not be here uh, if it wasn't for uh, Brother Wayne and Miss Connie, uh, who I call Papa and Mimi. So if you hear me say that in the message, that's fine. But uh, I'm super grateful for them. And I would not be here today if it wasn't for them and for the influence that you guys have had on them. So I thank you for that. But uh, back then, I didn't see it that way. You know, whenever I first got into their household, I'm a nine-year-old kid who was just taken away from my own mother. So I was very, very bitter. I was very bitter towards God, towards my parents, towards everybody under the sun. I was just not a very nice kid. And so then I ended up uh, going to uh, church faithfully for the first time in my life, going to Vision Baptist Church. Now, uh, just to show you how it started off, uh, my very first service there was a Sunday night. They did not have children's church service. So I sat in the very front row with, my, uh, with Uncle Mark. And uh, about 10 minutes into the service, my head was like this. And I was just sleeping. And so, uh, and, and now I can actually make it through one of the messages, amen? Especially whenever it's, it's my papa who says in closing about 10 minutes after the message. <laughs> but no, uh, I, started, I started learning about who Jesus was. Uh, Robert Canfield, he's now a missionary uh, organizer. He, he, he was my children's church pastor, and he showed me who Jesus was, how God wanted a, a relationship with me after salvation. He showed me that God wanted me to learn more about him, to draw near to him, and I was very thankful for that. I was finally getting to meet, uh, make friends, to learn about Jesus. I was super excited until one day I get a knock at the door. My uncle comes in and he says, hey, Chase, your mother has passed away. I'm so sorry. And that just destroyed my world. Because I, as I thought that my life was getting better, my whole world just went downhill. I became bitter again at God and at Mark and Amy. I became bitter at a lot of people. And I started thinking about that. I started thinking why this was happening. And it was because I was, my focus was on myself and who I was. And I started pitying myself. And that's where all the bitterness came from. Because I started thinking about my circumstances and how tough it was on me. But uh, obviously I had the wrong focus. But as time went on, about six months later, my parents say, all right, Chase, we're going to South Africa. And I said, what? I said, I just got to a church that I finally liked and you're going to take me away? And he told me, he said, Chase, there's people in South Africa that don't have Jesus like you do. If they die today, they're not going to go to heaven like you will. So I said, all right, let's go to South Africa. <laughs> and so at that time, I, was, uh, I ended up being very excited about it. Uh, Uncle Mark ended up starting a church over there. Amen. So while he was pre uh, preaching to the men and, and Amy was uh, teaching the ladies, nobody was teaching the children. So my older brother and I, Uncle Mark, told us, hey, you guys need to start the children's church. So we started a children's church. I started studying my Bible more. I started getting into the Word of God, and this was where the bitterness started getting out of my life. And I became super excited for the Lord. And so one day, I was out knocking on the door trying to tell some kids about Jesus. 
And I met this man, a young man named Miso. Now Miso, uh, he's one of the Kosa people, and uh, he actually, uh, his family worshipped ancestors. So whenever I told him about Jesus, he was like, no, that's not the way to heaven. He says, you got to worship to your ancestors. Now just to give you a little bit of what that is for those who haven't heard, the ancestry worship is like this. They believe that you need a mediator to get to God. They think that God is so far away that they can't get to him themselves. And it's partially true, but it's very twisted. Because what they do is they take a sheep or a goat and they'll sacrifice it to their ancestors. Whenever they do that, they'll take the skull, they'll put it on a staff, and they'll pray to their ancestors, hoping that maybe one day their ancestors would go to God and put a good word in for them. And this is their hope. Little do they know that there's only one mediator between God and man. That's Jesus Christ. Little do they know that the sacrifice of animals was not salvation. Only the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, who is Jesus Christ. This was what I was telling Miso. I was telling him about, uh, about John 3.16. Now, I'm going to be going back to learn it. So just to give you an idea for those who haven't heard it before, John 3.16 in Kosa says this. Amen? Amen. Speaking in tongues tonight. <laughs> I started telling Miso John 3.16. I shared it with him. He ended up coming to church, and my brother and I were sharing the gospel with him, and he ended up getting saved. Now this... Miso, first of all, he's on your account. He's a fruit of your church because of how much support that you, uh, or for your support that you've given to the, my family. But to, I just want to share that to show you that the gospel is working in and around the world. Because Jesus Christ wants the world reached with the gospel. Amen. And so I started telling him about that. We actually, I ended up getting engaged to my fiance while uh, visiting over there in this past January. And I got to be in the, one of the Camp Rhinos and Miso was in my, count, uh, in my little group. Uh, I was a counselor. So I asked Miso, I said, before bed, uh, I said, Miso, why don't you give a five-minute presentation of how God has changed your life? Just tell them about Jesus. So about 45 minutes later, his five-minute message is up. <laughs> so he is very excited about, uh, about Christ. He's wanting to grow. And this is something that could not have happened if it wasn't for you guys. So I want to thank you for that. But this is something that ended up changing my life drastically. As I was in the Word of God and I was in the book of Mark, I'm seeing people saved and I'm seeing all these people who are worshiping ancestors. This was when God called me to, to uh, be a preacher, to tell people about Jesus. So I ended up coming back to the States and I got training at the Our Generation Training Center where I ended up meeting my beautiful fiance. Uh, we are getting married in 29 days. I hope that I have that right. But I do ask, that you guys pray for us and pray for my fiance, uh, that God will continue to blind her until after we're married. That way she'll be stuck with me. Uh, because you guys know that I need that. <laughs> but she's got one of the sweetest hearts that you'll ever meet. Uh, she's bold for Christ, and that's one thing that I love about her. Uh, she always focuses on him. So if you have a chance to meet her after service, and uh, I'm sure that you'll get into a 15-minute conversation about God. But I ended up uh, getting engaged, and I, then I ended up going to Peru, South America on an internship. And while I was there, I got to learn under a veteran missionary. Uh, I got to learn what ministry was like on another foreign field, how to do language school, 
And so now I'm currently back on deputation going to South Africa. Super excited. I'm ready to go and shake the, con- the country of South Africa with my family. So I ask that you pray for me uh, with that. But if you don't mind, uh, I asked uh, my grandfather if I could come. I just wanted to be a blessing to you guys. The best way that I know how is to share the word of God with you. So if you don't mind looking at Philippians chapter 1 with me. Philippians chapter 1, and we'll read, uh, we'll start off with verse 12. Now, the author of this was the author of joy. Now, Paul, he was a joyous author. Now, whenever I was thinking about this, I actually started uh, reading my Bible in South Africa, and this was whenever I was getting over the bitterness uh, and all the tough things in my life. And then I looked at, I got into Philippians, and I saw Paul being so full of joy, but his situations were way worse than mine. And I was like, hang on a second, that doesn't make sense. Because Paul is here, he writes this book while he's in prison. I mean, he's had persecutions. He's probably had false accusations against him. People are adding, trying to add affliction to his bonds, as we see in this passage. I mean, all these adverse things are happening to him, and yet he can rejoice. Sure. And I'm thinking back to my life, and I'm thinking, I, whenever I focus on myself and my pity, I started becoming bitter. And it's totally different than what Paul's focus was. And that's why our fruits were different. But I want to challenge you, church, today to have the same focus that Paul had. Because this single focus was how you can rejoice not only in what, uh, what's happening to you, but in Christ being furthered. Because that's what his attitude was on. Amen. His attitude was this. He said, it doesn't matter what happens to me or my life, whether I be in prison, whether it be by life or by death, no matter what happens to me, as long as Christ is being preached and the gospel is being furthered, it's all okay. Amen. So he says this, and then we get to verse 12. He says, but I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. He says, all right, brethren, I want all of you guys to know this. Everything that's happened in my life, all the imprisonment, the adverse things, all these persecutions, false accusations, it's happened to me for what? The furtherance of the gospel. This is his entire life. As we see in Colossians, he says, who Christ, who is our life. All, all Paul was worried about was Christ being furthered. And this was how he could rejoice because during his tough times, he was focused solely on Christ being furthered, on what God wanted. You know, the truth is, is that a lot of us in here, we need to hear this today because we do not have Christ as our single focus. The fact is, is that we don't have the same attitude that Paul has because whenever tough, tough things come in our way, what do we like to do? We like to complain. We like to think about how bad it is for me. It's all about me, right? Not with Paul. And he says, everything that's happened in my life is for the furtherance of the gospel. And because of this attitude, we're going to see some fruits from it. So if you look at verse 13 with me, he says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. You know, Paul, he's here in prison. And I'm thinking, if I was in prison... I'd be getting down on my knees and I'd be saying, Lord, get me out of here. I need some Chick-fil-A and some Taco Bell. Paul wasn't like that. He said, he started, he started thinking about the benefits of it. And he says that the bonds in Christ were manifest in all the palace and in all other things. I've used this analogy, I think, before, but just to give you guys an idea, he's, if you look at the Roman guard, you see that every couple of hours, Paul was chained to some different guards. And so Paul was here and he's, he, he says, hang on a second. 
So I'm chained to this guy and this guy. You mean to say, I can preach the gospel. And they can't run away from me. So he just starts preaching Jesus. And by the end of it, what? Verse 13 says, the, his bonds in Christ were manifest in all the palace and in all other places. The gospel was being made known to many people. Why? Because that was his focus, and he just wanted Jesus to be preached. This was what was happening. You know, I started, um, I started thinking about this, and I started looking up in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. Paul actually brags about his chains. Now, like I said, I, I don't really, I didn't understand that until I saw what his focus was on. But if we just continue to focus on the same focus that Paul had, imagine what would happen in our lives. Imagine how different Whitfield uh, County would be. You know, he seizes his chains as an advantage to the furtherance of the gospel. I started thinking, uh, growing up, I grew up in South Africa and in the United States, and the histories were a little bit different. But the one thing that was always the same was World War II. And so that was my favorite subject because that was the only thing I could get past grades in. Uh, but I started reading up on uh, some stories in World War II. And just to uh, give you uh, one of the stories that I like to focus on whenever I'm living my everyday life, I heard about this one man who was uh, part of the uh, medical attention center during World War II. So his job was to go out while guns are blazing to grab the injured and to bring them back to get medical attention before they die. So he'd go out and he, they'd tell him to get another and he'd go out and grab another, and he'd drag them back. And he'd go out and grab another and drag them back. And he'd continue to do this. So finally, they, were, they see that he's just physically, like, shaken, and he is exhausted. And they tell him, all right, you can take a break. And he says, no, I can't. i got to go out and get more. Just one more. Because his attitude, he said, if I don't go out there and get them, they could be dying. They could die. Sure. So he starts going out, and he gets another. And he says, just one more. And he goes out, and he gets another. Just one more. I think that this was Paul's attitude with the gospel because he would go out and he'd just tell another person about Jesus. Except this time, it's not just a temporary salvation. It's an eternal salvation because he's telling people about the eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. So he just starts telling people. He starts telling them just another, just another, and just another. Church, imagine if each and every one of us were to have that attitude. How would Whitfield County be changed with the gospel? If each of us were to go out and say, this guy could have died if I did not tell him about Jesus. And he could have gone to hell. You know, whenever I was in Peru, South America, I started off by going over there. Everybody speaks Spanish. Now, me being a big white um, Southern American, I go over there, and I am not your typical uh, missionary, uh, so to speak. But I go out, and I get locked out of my uh, house one day. And I was in khaki, shoe, or khaki pants, a T-shirt, and uh, some boat shoes. So I decided to go to the park because I didn't have anything else to do. So I ended up going there, and I tried to speak my Spanish because we're always encouraged to learn the language. And I said, hola, como estas? Now everybody stops playing soccer, and they just all look at me. And they just start laughing. So I started befriending them, and uh, we had a good time, and everybody started making fun of me. Uh, they had their own jo jokes and stuff. But I ended up beginning to learn more and more Spanish to where I could share the gospel with them. And I started sharing the gospel and inviting people to church. And many people came. But I remember this one man named Luis Fernando. Now Luis was a Catholic. He was a devout Catholic. His parents believed uh, and taught him that uh, it's through Jesus and works to get to heaven. And so I started 
uh, tell him about Jesus, and I started witnessing to him. And I shared John 3.16 with him in Spanish. Porque de tal manera amó Dios al mundo, que ha dado a su Hijo unigénito, para que todo aquel que en él cree, no se pierda, mas tenga vida eterna. I shared the love of God with Luis. He ended up coming to church and he got saved. Uh, uh, Mitch McCormack, uh, he's going through discipleship with him. Uh, he actually ended up going to the park with me. And so he's very excited about Luis. Uh, but as that happened, I, about a week later, I ended up going. Uh, uh, and I, I saw him walking down the road by himself. I was supposed to be going to the mall, but I, I jumped out of the taxi. And I said, you guys go, uh, go ahead. And I went and started walking with Luis. And Luis said, uh, started asking him about his life. And he said, Chase, you know, my best friend, uh, he committed suicide a couple weeks ago. And he, I, I thought that there was nothing left to life. And so uh, he said, he told me this. He said, if you and Mitch would never have come to that park, I would never have heard about Jesus. And I was thinking about doing the same thing as my best friend. I was going to give my end of my life because I did not know that there was anything else for me to live in this life. He told me this and it just shook me. And it showed me the, the importance of that attitude of just one more. Because if I would never have shared Jesus with him, he would be in eternal hell right now. If Mitch would never have been there to connect with him and to tell him about Jesus Christ, he would be in hell right now. How many people have died recently that we have not told about Jesus? Let's just say in Whitfield County, not even in the world. Church, we have to have the same attitude that Paul had of just focusing on Christ being preached and the gospel being furthered. Because if we do not, there's people out there that are dying and going to hell, and that will be on us. Church, I want want to show you something else, uh, another fruit from Paul's boldness for Christ. Look at verse 14. It says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul uses his situation so much that everywhere they're hearing about the gospel. And now his brethren and the Lord, they start waxing confident, which means that they're hearing that Paul is preaching Christ, and then they start preaching Christ. And then these guys, they hear, they, they start preaching Christ. And pretty soon he has a whole team, a whole entourage preaching Christ. That's a big problem, right? No, it's a praise. The gospel is getting made known around his area. You know, Not every person there was wanting to do this out of uh, goodwill to him. We see that in the next couple of verses. It says, verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. He says this, he says, What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. He says, these guys over here, they're starting to preach Christ, but they're not doing it to help me out. They're trying to make my situation worse. But then these guys over here, they're preaching Jesus, they're preaching the gospel, and they're just doing it because they love me and they want people saved. He says, what then? He says, it doesn't really matter why they're doing it. It doesn't matter what's happening to me. Just as long as Christ is being preached, it's all okay. Amen. He says this. This, is, was his, this was his boldness. 
You know, church, I can tell you that boldness is contagious. You say, what do you mean, Chase? Well, look at Paul. He starts preaching Christ, and then other people are preaching Christ too. But the question is, is what, where is our boldness? What are we bold about? Do people walk away from us talking about the, uh, man, I wish my team was as good as Georgia. And you guys know that Georgia is the best. But (laughs) church, where's our boldness? Do do people walk away saying, man, I wish I had a a truck like him. I wish my job paid as much as him. Do they walk away from you saying, man, I need to preach Jesus. Man, Jesus needs to be reached. The gospel needs to be, the world needs to be reached with Jesus in the gospel. Amen. Church, where is our boldness? Because if we be bold like Paul was about Jesus Christ, look how it can change the world. It, it's up to us to change the world, amen? amen? Then we need to change our hearts to have the same focus that Paul had. This was Paul's focus. Then we get to verse 19 and 20. And he says this, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And one of my favorite verses in this, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul says, you know what I want for my birthday? You, wanna, you, know what, you know what I want for Christmas? It's this, that I never, ever, ever be ashamed of the gospel. Amen. You know what would happen if he was, Paul was ashamed of the gospel? Imagine it with me. If Paul would never have preached the gospel, we know that the garden prison would never have been saved. If Paul would never have preached the gospel, you know the gospel, Christ would not have been manifest in the palace and in all other places. His brethren in the Lord would not have waxed confident. You know, because Paul was bold for Christ, Christ was furthered. The gospel was furthered. Amen. Is that happening in our lives? Is the gospel being furthered in our lives? In Whitfield County? What is happening in our lives? You know, the truth is, is that we're not as bold as we ought to be. That's right. The truth is that we got to change. we got to get bold for Jesus. You know, God's will was that all men might believe. God wants everyone saved. And that can't happen unless we go out and we be bold. Church, where's our boldness? He says, if there's anything in this world that I want, it's that I just want to be bold. He says, look at the next part of this verse. He says, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. He says, it does not matter what happens to me, whether I live or I die, as long as Christ is magnified, as long as Jesus Christ is made big in my life, it's okay. Amen. He was not worried about his circumstances. He was not worried about what was happening in his life. He was worried about magnifying Christ. How many times do we let our comforts and our circumstances get in the way of God being magnified in our lives? It's time for us to change. It's time for us to get bold for Christ. 
And then we get to one, some of the famous verses in the Bible. Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ. Amen. And to die is gain. Living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. You know, Paul says, if it's my choice, I'd much prefer to die just so that I could go be with my Savior. He says, nevertheless, for you guys, for, to help you guys out, I'll stay down here. But what was his living for? He says, for me to live is Christ. Amen. Christ was his life. That's all that he wanted. Because he caught on to something during his life. He knew that if he were to have joy, his focus couldn't be on himself and his circumstances. His focus had to be on Christ, on God. Because that's where our joy comes from. It comes from Christ. And Christ being magnified. You know what that crazy man did? He gave his entire life to God. Amen. I think it's about time that we do it too. It's time for us to go and change the world with the gospel. Amen. But it starts by us giving our lives to Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. I pray that you would just to change our lives, help us to get bold for you. I'll give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen.